Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us for this episode of Nine to Thrive HR. I'm your host, Jenna Filipkowski, and today we're featuring the six of eight podcasts in partnership with SAP Success Factors. Each podcast features experts in the field of HR, and we'll explore some of the most pressing issues facing talent management today. I'm so excited to welcome our two guests today. We have Tamara Phillips from SAP Success Factors and Leo Perone from IGT. Welcome, guys. Hey, Jenna. Hey, Jenna. Thanks for being here. And I'm just going to briefly read their bios before we jump into questions. So Tamara Phillips is the Global Director for Business Beyond Bias Initiative at SAP Success Factors. Tamara has held a variety of leadership roles in technology companies over the past 20 years. She's an advocate for workforce diversity and inclusion and conducts workshops globally on how SAP Success Factors technology can be a powerful catalyst for change. She's passionate about helping companies cultivate a culture of inclusion to harness all the best talent in an increasingly diverse workplace. And Leo Peroni is a Senior Director of Global Talent Acquisition at IGT. He graduated from the University of Rhode Island with a bachelor's degree in psychology. He's been with IGT for over 20 years. In his current role, he manages a global team of talent acquisition partners, creates and implements policies and procedures, analyzes metrics, university relations, and DNI initiatives. In addition, Leo served as a mentor for the Europe program in Rhode Island, which is a nonprofit that provides young adults with academic training and internship experience, and was recognized with the Outstanding Mentor Award. So, so glad to have you both. Um, and Tamara, I want to start with you, if you don't mind. I want you, if you can share with our audience what we mean by diversity and inclusion and why this concept is so important to both HR and the business. Thanks, Jenna. That's a great question. I and mean, we get that very frequently. And I think it's, it's important to start with a definition of diversity and inclusion and, and how and why they're different. Um, I like to do that in the context of a metaphor. So I like to think of diversity as everyone's invited to the dance party. Um, and as HR practitioners, we can look at things like who we recruit, who applies, who's hired. We can then look at our DNI as scorecard and say, hey, we have a diverse workforce, check the box, we're done, right? But what's critical to understand is that without the concept of inclusion, we can recruit and hire a diverse workforce, but if we also don't look at inclusion, they're not going to stick around. So to continue the metaphor, inclusion, Jenna, we think of, yeah, you're invited to the dance party, and when you're there, you feel comfortable and free dancing in your own unique style, that your unique point of view is welcomed and honored, and that you feel included. So we look at things as HR practitioners, as um, inclusive onboarding and development. We look at equal opportunity for promotion and reward. And then we look at things like average tenure and attrition rates. So that, that's, that's the description that I typically use for diversity and inclusion and why they're important. Um, the other thing I, I wanted to touch on just briefly is that we have extensive research, because I, I get this question a lot too, well, okay, sounds great, but from a business perspective, why is it important? And this research shows that companies that cultivate a culture of diversity and inclusion win in the market. They're more profitable. They're more innovative. They also have higher customer satisfaction and higher employee engagement and retention rates. So the success of these companies then that, that cultivate a culture of diversity and inclusion, you know, it comes from 
Their success comes from the inclusion of diverse thinking, perspective, point of view, and, and, and bringing to bear all the different unique backgrounds of their workforce. And the other piece of it is we're all selling to a diverse customer base, so it just makes good business sense that your workforce reflects and your leadership reflects uh, the diversity of the customer base that you're selling to. That's sort of my high-level summary of, of diversity and inclusion and why it's important to both HR and business professionals. Does that resonate with you, Jenna? Yeah. As a researcher, of course, I love hearing the word that <laughs> there's definitely a lot of research in this area. I know a lot of this area also, too, covers the concept of unconscious bias. And I'm wondering if you can just share mm. what that is and maybe how we can um, deal with this universal bias that all of us humans have. Yeah, it's interesting, too. When I think of diversity and inclusion, I sometimes say that it's sort of a trifecta of psychology, sociology, and in the success factors realm, technology, right? So on the human psychology side of it, and, and also touching on the sociology, we as humans have up to 150 unconscious biases running around in our brains at any given time. You know, it's part of the human experience. It's it's one of the ways that the brain actually processes a lot of complex data at once. Um, it uses these filters, and, and unfortunately, um, there may be unconscious bias that, that influences decision-making. And, you know, it's not bad. It doesn't make us bad, right? It's, it's part of the human experience. But it's key to be aware of when it's showing up and how it's showing up. And in this context, how it might influence critical talent management decisions across the HR life cycle. So what we do, our technology at SuccessFactors, we use very powerful machine learning to help bring data to bear across the HR life cycle at each step of the way so that decision makers can look at this data and say, hmm, I'm gonna, maybe I should pause there. You know, there might be unconscious bias influencing the decision that I'm going to make. Um, and we've got technologies, as I said, across each step of the life cycle. So, for example, uh, in the area of calibration, right, we've actually got photoless calibration so that a manager can look across their organization, look at performance, look at how people are rated, and, and take the potential bias out of the decision-making. So our software actually touches across recruiting, salaries, hiring salaries, pay, performance management, coaching, language use and coaching, and, and mentoring and how mentors are matched with mentees. So that's, that's unconscious bias and how the technology can help to solve for it. I think that's fantastic because a lot of our areas in talent management one, maybe they're not even using any sort of data to make better decisions, but then also using that data, in your case, to make sure that things are fair and transparent across all employee populations. So I think it almost, it does it does both for, for the organization who uses your technology. So that's great. And I know you just mentioned different parts of the employee life cycle. Can you talk a little bit about just maybe recruiting? Because I know a lot of decisions need to be made in terms of who we bring into the organizations and also making sure that that process is fair and inclusive. Can you share some examples there? Sure, yeah. So as we talked about, unconscious bias can show up in literally every stage of, of the talent management life cycle. But it starts typically, right, with recruiting, to your point. So 
I like to use a real-life example. So let's say that you're a manager of best-run company. We'll give you a name. We'll call you Maya Cooper. So Maya's goal is to recruit and hire more women into leadership roles in the engineering function, okay? So what we recommend is that, you know, Maya really look at every step of the recruiting process, starting with the website, the recruiting website, right? Um, if, she, if that is her goal, she's going to want to make sure that the website it has inclusive language, inclusive visuals, and even potentially has assets like videos, et cetera, that are engaging to women engineers, right? So you might want to show videos of women engineers talking about what a wonderful company um, it is to work for and, and why, you know, how they are promoted into leadership, that they've got great career opportunities there, et cetera. So it starts with, you know, what is the first engagement that candidates have with your company? Make sure that that's inclusive. And then the second piece is look at the language used in your job description. Is it gender neutral or is it maybe potentially biased? So an example of which is, you know, I saw a job description recently that it was looking for coding ninjas, right? Well, that language may not resonate to women. It may be more male-centric, right? There's a lot of examples of where language, again, it's unconscious, but it might appeal more toward one gender or the other. The next piece is to really make sure that you look at, that Maya looks at the, the hiring salary, right? Is it equitable? And is it in line with the market? Um, again, research, I'm a big lover of research myself, it shows that the inequities in pay, gender pay, are often started when, in this context, an engineer is hired into the company. You want to make sure, Maya wants to make sure that she looks at the hiring salary of those women engineers to make sure that it's equitable. Um, because it typically, you know, again, research shows that sometimes women are brought in at lower starting salaries than their male counterparts for the same role. Um, so you want to make sure that we've got technology that looks at both language and salary analysis to help uncover unconscious bias. So that's just one example. There's so many more, but in the interest of time, I'll, I'll leave it there, Jenna. Yeah, that's great. And maybe if you could just share, so if, if the company didn't do that, what would the impact be on the employer and also the candidates going through this recruitment process if they weren't addressing bias in recruiting? Yeah, so again, um, if you're not aware of the unconscious bias showing up in language, in your brand identity, the ability to recruit a diverse workforce will be limited. And then the other piece of it is, you know, there's a huge shortage for talent right now globally. And so you want to make sure that you are as inclusive as possible and that you're your starting salaries are obviously, you know, competitive in the marketplace because you're going to want to make sure that you are able to recruit and hire and reward and compensate the talent to make sure that your company wins. So exactly. that's part of it. So, Leo, we're not ignoring you. <laughs> we're so glad you're here. And uh, Tamara just shared in general what DNI looks like at, at Refer Recruiting. Can you share with us what IGT does and some best practices your organization has tested in the area of recruiting? Sure. I, I want to touch on a number of the points uh, that Tamara made. Um, one is where we started. Uh, so we started our external career site 
which is the face of the company, uh, to potential candidates and, and applicants. Uh, we wanted to make sure that all of the graphics that we used, uh, especially the pictures uh, that we're using on the career site, really represent uh, the diverse nature of the company, not here just in the U.S., uh, but we're a worldwide company. So we want to make sure we had a good mix of men and women, um, people that were young and old, uh, minorities and veterans. Uh, so uh, again, without even reading anything on our website, visually you will see that at IGT we are a diverse, diverse company. Uh, the second thing we did was uh, looked at the content uh, of our job postings. And as Tamara mentioned, uh, you know, there's certain language, uh, you know, that can be biased. So we actually took advantage of a tool that's available through uh, SAP and Success Factors, uh, the Job Analyzer. So prior to a position being posted on our website, uh, all the recruiters will run the description through the analyzer, and it highlights gender-biased words, uh, either feminine words or masculine words. Uh, and then in most cases, provides an alternative to that. Uh, so when people are looking at the job postings, uh, which is a brief description of the job, both in terms of the responsibilities and requirements, uh, we are not uh, alienating uh, one group over the, uh, over the other. Uh, so we have recently tested this tool, uh, and after the first of the year, we'll be rolling that out. Uh, but that's been, uh, even for me, uh, you know, uh, an eye-opener in terms of some words that you would uh, not really think of uh, as, as having any uh, being masculine or feminine. Uh, so we're very excited about that. We also looked at several products, not including the Success Factors um, product, but we came back to uh, the Success Factors product because it met our needs. So we're, we're excited about that. Uh, the, the third thing is, uh, you know, trying to reach uh, the targeted uh, candidates where they are. Uh, in this current economy, at least in the U.S., uh, unemployment is very low. People are actively working. Uh, there's a severe shortage of technical talent. Uh, so we have to do much more outreach in trying to attract passive candidates versus people that are actually looking for a new job. Uh, one of the areas that we've been focused on uh, is in our intern program, uh, working with universities to attract uh, diverse uh, students at IGT. And we've done this uh, a, a number of different ways. Uh, one is, uh, you know, attending college and university career fairs. Uh, but what we're really striving for is to actually have more exposure to the student in the classroom and or the organizations um, that uh, they are participating in. Uh, so women in engineering, black engineers, uh, and doing sponsorships um, for, uh, for the students, uh, for their clubs or their networks. Uh, or most recently at IGT, we sent a uh, female computer science student uh, to a technical uh, conference. And we're working with her working with the classroom and working with other students at the school to increase our brand awareness uh, that we have opportunities for women in technology. About a third of our workforce at IGT uh, is technology. So that's an area that we've been focusing on and really striving to recruit women within that group. 
Leo, thanks for sharing those best practices. I know our audience can learn a lot from what you shared. And I'm also interested to know what IGT does to create an inclusive culture. So Tamara mentioned that diversity and inclusion are two related but distinct things. So what is your organization doing to create an inclusive culture for your people? One of the first things that we did in the beginning of this year uh, is actually create a diversity and inclusion council uh, made up of key leaders throughout the company. Uh, so they not only understand the importance of having a diverse workforce, um, but also uh, to generate and brainstorm ideas about what we can do here at IGT. Uh, and one of the outcomes of that uh, has been our employee business resource groups. And while uh, they're very common uh, in, in other companies, especially those focused on diversity and inclusion, uh, one of the things that we wanted to really emphasize is that they are business resource groups. Uh, it's important to the business, as uh, Tamara mentioned, uh, we need to represent our customers uh, where we do business. Uh, and uh, there are many benefits of diversity and inclusion, uh, obviously with the diverse team, uh, better idea and more engaged. Uh, and uh, we've already rolled out uh, several of our uh, employee business resource groups. Uh, the first one we did was uh, we have uh, headquarters in Las Vegas for our gaming business, uh, but we uh, rolled out a uh, uh, women's network, and we have expanded that this year and plan to expand next year in a number of different locations uh, throughout the U.S. and outside of the U.S. That's great. Um, it seems like you're taking a very thoughtful approach to understanding who your desired workforce is that aligns to what you need for the business, but you're also going beyond just creating awareness with these groups. You're giving them opportunities and giving students and potential new hires opportunities to develop their skills that will ultimately hopefully serve the needs of Absolutely. IGT. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And again, it's, it's good for, uh, obviously, the cabin engaged workforce. Uh, it, it, it's good, as I mentioned, to represent um, people uh, where we're located throughout the U.S. and throughout the world. Um, and specifically on the recruiting side, uh, you know, we're looking forward to working with these employee, uh, employee business resource groups to uh, assist us. Uh, in our recruiting activities. Uh, so when we, whether we're going to a, a, a college or a university career fair, whether we're going to a veterans career fair, uh, we have representation uh, of like folks within that group. Uh, so we're very excited about what we've done. We, we recognize that we still have a, a way to go. Uh, we have some aggressive goals in, in 2019. Um, but uh, again, I, I think we've made uh, good progress this year and, and we're excited about uh, next year. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, Leo, I'd like to actually um, add a little bit of color to your storyline there as well. I think it's very important. We at SAP have very powerful employee resource groups as well. And one of the things, too, that we look at relative to diversity is we look at it across four different pillars. So we look at it beyond gender, and you touched on this as well. So we look at gender intelligence as one of our pillars of DNI. We also look, and you touched on this, at, at cross-generational intelligence. At SAP, we've got four generations at work across our global workforce, from millennials to boomers, and it's just really critical to be aware of that difference, right, and how to include and engage employees across those different generational lines. 
Um, we also look at the third pillar, which is culture and identity, and you touched on this as well, being a global company. And then the last pillar is differently abled people, including neurodiversity. So I just wanted to bring that up as well, because sometimes people think of diversity just as being a gender conversation, but we really like to broaden the definition, because I think that's where the power lies. I agree. And Tamara, I know you work on diversity and inclusion work all over the world. So I'm wondering, may I ask you the same question I asked Leo in terms of what are some best practices you've seen to create an inclusive culture and looking at these different groups? So the differently able, the culture and identity, the different generations, what are some best practices that you've learned and seen in, in the clients that you work with? Yeah. So some of the, I mean, Leo touched on, on one of them is, you know, definitely the career fairs are huge, right? Getting out there and aggressively recruiting um, at career fairs, I know, on campus. Also at doing outreach work in the communities through your employee resource groups. Those are, that's very important as well. The other thing is, if from an inclusion perspective, is continuing to keep employees engaged. So as we all know, right, social, is, social communication is trending now. It's important. It's part of our culture everywhere we go. So making sure that you've got the ability to collaborate through some sort of a social network. We use um, SAP Jam here. I know, Leo, you use, is it Yammer that you're the ITT uses? For the- yes, we use Yammer. Yeah. yeah. And then mobile, right? Make sure that you have the ability for, for engagement through mobile devices, right? Which, which we have obviously success factors. That's a de- a definitely a best practice. Um, and Leo also touched on one, um, which is having those DNI councils. So it's making diversity and inclusion part of the fabric of the culture of the company and having it integrated across all levels of the company. So those are some of the, the highlights that I've seen um, as successful best practices globally. Thank you. And Leo, I like how you shared too that it's a work in progress, like you're not going to be perfect <laughs> right out the gate. So that's, it's something to always continually strive for and work for to be more inclusive as an organization. Um, from either of you, any closing thoughts on this topic? I know there's a lot of excitement and passion around it. Um, any closing thoughts for our audience? Um, you know, I would um, refer listeners to our website, which is um, on successfactors.com. It's the diversity inclusive inclusion uh, page of our website. What we've got there is actually a lot of research that I've posted there that you can take a look at that I've referenced here. Um, We've got some tips and tricks to combat bias across the HR life cycle. We've got some compelling videos. And then, Leo, I think, too, you've got some great videos that are best practices on your career site, right? Yeah, I was going to mention that. uh, You know, what what I want to share with the audience is, you know, while we're a a large global company, uh, you know, we are restricted uh, by resources, whether they be people resources or, or budget. Um, but m- many of our activities uh, have been done uh, within our partners within the, the company. So working with our marketing group, our, uh, our video uh, group, looking at resources uh, you know, that might be a uh, low-cost alternative for something you're trying to accomplish. Um, so it, it can be done. Uh, and the other thing I would just recommend to, uh, you know, as I mentioned, we've accomplished a lot this year. We have more to accomplish. It is an ongoing process. Uh, don't try to do everything at, at once. Um, build some successes where you can. Uh, share them with the organization. Uh, and, again, uh, it will just build uh, year over year. 
uh, and people will recognize your efforts and um, most importantly, uh, candidates and applicants uh, will recognize you as a diverse and an inclusive company. I love that. Well, that's all we have time for. Thanks for speaking with our audience, Leo and Tamara. Thank you. Thanks for having us, Jenna. Delighted. We'd like to come back anytime. Oh, please do. Thanks, Leo. You're welcome. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast if you enjoyed today's episode. You can find HCI on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and on the YouTube channel, HCI Talent. If you're listening on iTunes, we'd love to get your rating and review. It helps other professionals and like-minded people discover the program. We'd like to close by saying thank you to our listeners for spending some time with us. For all of HCI, thanks for listening.